It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. Welcome to Discover Your Spiritual Identity. One of the most important things that you as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ could ever do is to find out who God says you are in the Word of God and then to boldly walk in those God-given assignments. There are over 1,000 names that belong to the children of God. And when you see all of them, it's like this huge panoramic view of our purpose in this world and our destiny in the next world. The inheritance that belongs to us as sons and daughters of the Most High. Now, the name that we're going to focus on on this episode is just exceptional. We are referred to as partakers of the glory. That's found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, where the apostle declared that he was a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. But not only does this title talk about our heavenly eternal inheritance yet to come, but it's part of what we have received right here, right now. Because in the Old Testament, the temple was referred to as the house of his glory. But now in the New Testament, you are the temple of God, little children, the scripture says. You have become God's dwelling place. The temple of God worldwide houses his glory that manifests among every people, every kindred, every tongue, every race worldwide, globally, the glory of God is manifesting. In fact, the Bible said that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And I believe that particular prophecy will be fulfilled in our generation. But let's start at the beginning, the definition of the word glory. What does it mean? Well, in the Hebrew, the word translated glory predominantly is kavod, and it means or it carries with it the sense of a heavy weight, the heavy weight of the majesty and the authority of a king, the king of all kings is our Savior and our God. And so it speaks of the intensity of his intervention in our lives. And that's why the glory of God first means the manifest presence of God. Ordinarily, there is a veil between the realm that God dwells in, the third heaven, and this earthly realm. But from time to time, God breaks forth into this realm with a manifestation of his reality, and that is the glory. I've been in meetings through the past 50 years that I've been serving God, and I've seen the glory of God manifest in incredible ways. I think one of the most powerful times was when I saw a man who had polio, who came to one of our yearly camp meetings. And he had been there several times. And this particular camp meeting for 10 days, he had struggled to get to the 
top of the platform where all of the ministers sat. He had braces down his legs. He had braces on his arms, big crutches, and he struggled pushing one crutch in front of the other as he came up the platform to get to the area where the minister sat. And we were all praying and interceding for him and felt compassion and felt sympathy. The last night of the camp meeting, though, we launched into this time of worship where we just lingered there for, I suppose, 20 or 30 minutes. And all of a sudden, I heard a scream. It wasn't a terrified scream, but it was an emotionally tense scream that went up from the area where the ministers were seated. And I turned around and looked, and this man had thrown his braces off and was dancing before the Lord. And such a cloud of the glory of God swept in that meeting. It was visible. It was a thick cloud of the presence, the weighty presence of a God of authority who can change any circumstance. And I pray that while I'm talking about the glory of God, you sense the reality of it wherever you're at. Now that's just the first definition. Number two, the glory of God can also mean the perfection of his character. Now, there's a scripture almost all of us are familiar with that we've been saved any amount of time. It says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, that's not talking about his manifested presence that's talking about the perfection of his character, that he is absolute holiness, that he is absolute righteousness, absolute love. He is the epitome of joy, the epitome of peace. And all of us have fallen short of the perfection of those divine attributes and all the other attributes that he exemplifies to the highest degree. So the glory of God is the perfection of his character. The glory of God is also his honor, the honor that is due to him for all the great works that he has done in our lives. And then really, uh, it stretches far beyond that because Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. That's more than his manifest presence. That's more than the perfection of his character. That's more than the honor that is due to his name. It's a way of encompassing a lot of different things, different attributes of God. When we look up at the immensity of the cosmos, when we see the glory of a starlit sky, when we see the intensity of the brightness of the sun, the heavens declare the majesty of God, his highness, his greatness, his dignity, his power, his almightiness, his infinitude, his celestial radiance, knowing that he outshines 10 million suns. See, the word glory stretches out to definitions that really exhaust my vocabulary. When, when the Bible said everyone in this temple shouts glory, it's a way of saying that that word sums it all up. I don't know how to express the greatness of my God any better than just to say glory, because it says so much. 
Now, glory is so associated with the Godhead that you find it in every aspect of the triune God. The Father is referred to in Scripture as the Father of glory. Jesus the Son is referred to as the Lord of glory. And the Holy Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of glory. The Father of glory, the Lord of glory, and the Spirit of glory all combined together as one God make up the God of glory whose voice thunders. And when he speaks, it is as intense as thunder rolling through the heavens. I pray that God speaks to you as we proceed in this revelation. Now, I have heard an erroneous idea for many years. I've heard many people testify this. I've heard many preachers during their messages say this, that God will not share his glory with anyone. Well, that's true, but that's not true because... It's actually a statement taken out of context. It's true in one specific area, but it's not true in many other areas. See, let me take you to the original verse. It's Isaiah 42, verse 8, where God said, I am the Lord, that is my name. And of course, in the original Hebrew, it's the Tetragrammaton in English, Y-H-W-H, probably pronounced Yahovah or Yahweh. He said, I am Yahweh, I am Yahovah, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. It was actually an indictment against idolatry and polytheism. And it was God's way of saying, the glory that I deserve for the creation of the universe, for intervention in the lives of people, in response to their prayers, in the manifestations of the miraculous. I will not share that glory with any false deity, any false god or goddess that has been invented by man's imagination. But in the other areas of the definition of glory, God delights to share it with his people. See, he will not share the honor or the credit that is due only to him for the way he moves in our lives. No other God is the true God. Other gods manufactured by men deserve none of the glory that only he should receive. However, as I mentioned a few moments ago, there are many definitions to the word glory, and it starts out with the manifest presence of God. Well, God wants to share his presence with you. He told Moses, certainly I will be with you. And he tells the church in the New Testament, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And so the manifest presence of God is something he delights to pour into our lives. And also his divine nature has been given to us. The Bible said we've received exceeding great and precious promises that by these we might be partakers 
of the divine nature. That means as sons and daughters of God, we can partake of his holiness. We can partake of his righteousness. We can partake of his joy. We can partake of his peace. We can partake of his love. And I could give you scripture references for all of that. The new man is created in righteousness and true holiness. That new creation part of you, that born again part of you is infused with the holiness of God. And you have been filled with the joy of the Lord and the peace of God that passes understanding. Jesus said, these words I speak unto you that my joy might remain in you. So all these divine attributes and many others have been poured into the lives of those who have surrendered to his authority. No wonder Romans chapter 9 verses 22 and 23 says it this way, what if God willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering, the vessels of wrath fitted for destruction. Now listen to the next verse, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for glory. He has prepared you for glory. Glory in this life, and glory in the next life. The scripture says that the mystery hidden from ages and generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In a world full of vanity, which is the opposite of glory, uselessness, worthlessness, emptiness, that's what vanity is. You and I have been prepared beforehand for glory, and it says in Romans 9, 23, that he would pour out the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. Wow, you have been made a recipient, not of a minimal amount of his glory, but the riches of his glory. When you see what God is doing in your life now and then stretch it out to what he plans to do for eternity, it is spectacular. Spectacular. No wonder glory and mercy are connected in this verse. He pours out the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. Well, the very fact that you have received the glory of God is an indication that you are a recipient of the mercy of God. See, glory and mercy are found together over and over in Scripture. In the tabernacle of Moses, in the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. On the top of the Ark of the Covenant was the lid called the mercy seat. And it was on the mercy seat sprinkled with the blood of a goat one time a year on Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, to lift the national sin debt of Israel. On the mercy seat rested the Shekinah, the glory, the kabod, the heavy weight of the manifest presence of God withheld from view to the majority of the Israelites. Moses, in the beginning, was able to go beyond the veil into the Holy of Holies and commune with God at the mercy seat and be surrounded with his glory. Can you imagine what that was like? But now the Bible says that we see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, and the veil has been removed for us. 
If we have been washed in the blood, if we have been born again, we have a glimpse of glory when we gaze at who Jesus is. What a glorious thing that we know he was God manifested in the flesh. Now, I've got a scripture that will prove absolutely to the nth degree that God definitely wants to share his glory with you. Because when the glorious Savior prayed just outside the Garden of Gethsemane for the church that was to be birthed in the New Covenant era, this was right before he went into the garden and prayed with blood-sweating agony, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Well, just prior to that, we read his great intercessory prayer for the church that was yet to be. In fact, in that prayer, John chapter 17, he said, Father, I pray not only for these, speaking of his present disciples, but all those who will believe on me through their word. That includes me. That includes you. Now, I'm not going to give you the whole prayer. You should read it. It's one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. And when you read through chapter 17 of the Gospel of John, you should say, I claim that. I receive that. I accept that. Because it's a done deal. If Jesus prays, the Father answers. It's already sealed and delivered to God's people. But he starts out the prayer by saying, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may also glorify you, which speaks a principle right there, that if God pours his glory out on you, then your immediate responsibility, passion, and desire should be to give glory back to him with your yielded light. Jesus said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And then on down into the prayer, I wish I had time to give it all to you. He says in verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but for those also who will believe on me through their word. I already mentioned that verse, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory, the kabod, the glory that you gave me, I have given them. Now, that's not the past tense. It looks like the past tense. It sounds like the past tense, but it's actually something called the present perfect tense. It's something that happened in the past, but continues to the present, and in a sense, continues on into the future as well. And so Jesus says, the glory that you gave me, I have given them. That was a predetermination that happened in the past, but it continues to the present for you right now. And he said, I've given them this glory that they may be one just as we are one. That's the ultimate purpose of the bestowal of the glory of God in your life. And so his passion was to gift you with the glory that you might know him as he is. And listen to the rest of it. He said that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one 
So the glory of God is carrying you to perfection that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. The bestowal of the glory of God in your life is evidence that you are just as beloved of the Father as Jesus, the firstborn son. Now we've just started our journey into this awesome, awesome revelation of the glory of God. And we're going to continue on the next episode of Discover Your Spiritual Identity. You are partakers of the glory. You are the house of his glory. The glory of God dwells in you and your spirit, your regenerated spirit is now the new holy of holies. And in that holy of holies, the glory of God resides and extends mercy to the world. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given his people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.